Welcome back to another session of our PFRPA Spotlight. I'm, I'm loving this. And what, who we have today with us, folks, is really special because it's not often that we have, get to have another offensive tackle on the show. Uh, you, you're the boss. Right? <laughs> oh, come you, on. You're the one who can make that happen. <laughs> I know. How about that? Well, they actually tell me what to do. I have to listen to all these guys. No. <laughs> but offensive tackle, Hall of Famer. Ron Nix. Ron, thanks for hanging out with us for a few no, minutes. No, my pleasure. Thank you. We got some hot seat questions for you today. We're going to have a little bit of fun with this. Uh, let's let's see if we can uh, drill down and find out who the real Ron Nix is. <laughs> right. Game. It could be scary, but here we go. All right, so in our careers, in our careers, and you had an amazing career with the Chargers, L.A. Chargers and San Diego Chargers back in the day. All of us have that kind of favorite football memory. I have one of mine is with Reggie White, where he came up to me after a game and, and kind of congratulated me and almost knighted me after the game, said, kids, you're doing all right. You're going to be just fine, right? What is your favorite football memory that people might not know about? Well, it'll expose me as being shallow <laughs> and self-centered. That's yes, most of us, right? But uh, I remember uh, we, I played the first time I played against Deacon Jones, I had the the worst game I ever had in my life, and um, uh, then that off season, I told myself that's never going to happen again, and I, uh, I gained twenty pounds and uh, studied the film and and thought I'd figured them out, and so we played them again the next season, and uh, I really had figured them out, and uh, in, in fact. Uh, I actually shut him out. He'll, he'll, did, he'll never admit it, but, but he's deceased now. He's a great guy. <laughs> right. And um, uh, the, the following week, one of my former college teammates, Monty Clark, who was playing for Cleveland, had received the game film of our film with Deacon Jones, and he called me up and said, Ron, that's the best I've ever seen anybody play against Deacon. Right. And that was, that was really important to me. I yeah. know it was shallow. I wasn't no, thinking no, team or anything, but, <laughs> but you know... The, you, you you have a self image and up to the point of of getting beat by beaten, be, getting beaten by Deacon that first game my self image was really quite high and then right. I thought wow <laughs> right. maybe destroyed. I'm not as hot as I thought <laughs> right and I bet a lot of guys had their very worst game against Deacon Jones you probably weren't alone he right? was a great he was a great player I got to tell you a cute story so after we retired, I was I, I somehow listened to a sports radio show, and Deacon was the guest. And the uh, the host asked Deacon, said, "What uh, was the greatest player you ever played against?" And I'm seeking, uh, thinking to myself, "Oh man, I hope he says me. I hope he says me." But he's so funny. He said, "He says I don't know because they never put just one man on me. It was always at least two, yeah, right? <laughs> but that wasn't true, by right. the way. Yeah, yeah. Right. you know, as a tackle." You're out there all by yourself. That's right. On the, on the island, right? Yes. <laughs> right? Handling our business. All right. So a few hot seat questions. This, I have a feeling this will be meaningful, seeing as you, you, you played in such a warm uh, place like San Diego and L.A. Coldest game you ever played in? Tell us about it. Well, I think it was actually when I was at USC and we played Notre Dame. Yeah. And I think it was like uh, five or ten degrees, but uh, we would also have that repeated when we'd play Buffalo, oh, at the Buffalo Stadium, yeah. And uh, uh, but 
it, I have to tell you, it was far more difficult playing in the heat than the cold. You, oh, you just did totally in, agree. In the super heat, my God, you just get exhausted after the first series of plays, and you're just going on courage the rest of the game. <laughs> I, well, I came coming from Michigan State. I remember when the when the draft came up, I was kind of in the back of my mind praying for northern teams to draft me right uh-huh. i was like thinking about going to miami or jacksonville or somebody or houston that was really hot and yeah. going to jacksonville of course right so i know about the heat all too well we all have so we also all of us have a story about uh that one hit right tell me about the hardest you've ever been hit Oh my gosh! Was that an uh, interception? You know, <laughs> I, I really can't. I, I I can't distinguish it. I can say this as an absolute fact, even though uh, we've had better, we played better against some players than other players. Every football game was just nasty and tough. Yeah, and everyone you played against was an outstanding athlete, and we're, and and you, you, even if you dominated that person. During the game, the physical exchanges between you were and him were so hard. You you did leave the games somewhat less than <laughs> when you started it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I got to tell you one cute story about heat, though, man. Yeah, tell me. <clears throat> Do you remember the name Jack Kemp? Of course. Now Jack. <laughs> now Jack. Uh, of course, he was on the Bob Dole ticket. He was vice president when Bob Dole was running for president. And right. Jack was a congressman for many years and. He was an outstanding player for Buffalo Bills as a quarterback for many years. But he started his career uh, with the Los Angeles Chargers, and then, the, then of course, uh, then we moved to San Diego. And Jack was just his whole life, I mean, right from the beginning, he was dominated by thinking about political things and thinking about um, uh, the country and thinking about patriotism and, and thinking about social economic issues. And um, and we used to have we were roommates when I was with the, the Chargers, and we'd have discussions because we were at different ends of the spectrum. He was very conservative, Republican, and I was probably close to being a communist. But <laughs> but uh, one of the things Jack wanted to, to, told me he said he wanted to see uh, getting excise would be Social Security. He said right. he said people just take if there's no Social Security, the people will will save money. They'll take care of themselves. And I said, Jack, you know that's just not true. I said there has to, there has to be a cushion. I said like you you can imagine my mother, who uh, was divorced from my father when I was five. My my brother was six, and uh, she uh, was a first generation Russian Jewish immigrant, and had only gone to the fifth grade, and uh, her jobs were, were always the. The, the the least possible. I remember she used to make twenty five cents an hour as a waitress. And anyway, I said, Jack, can you do you really think that my mother would even put aside a dime if as opposed to spending it on her children? So now we fast forward and we're playing the Houston Oilers and it's in San Diego and there was a Santa Ana wind and it was about 105 degrees. And the, uh, the first half breaks, and we're just exhausted. It's a tough game. I'm playing against a very tough guy named Lloyd. I forget, I, I, Floyd, I forget his, uh, his uh, first name. And as we're walking towards the locker room, Jack calls out. He says, Ron, 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 wait up. And I think he's going to ask me about do you, what, do, what kind of play do you think I could run? Do you think we could run a quick toss? He says, 
You know, I've been thinking about our conversation about what you said about Social Security. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I think, you're, I think you're right. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. We should keep it. I said, Jack, right? what are you doing? Right? <laughs> We're in the middle of a game. Right. That's amazing. That was pretty uh, foreboding then of, of what his future was going to be. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. He was a, a first-class decent guy, a first-class oh, yeah. decent guy. He was, he was the one... Uh, he was the Republican that talked about expanding the tent, bringing in the big tent and bringing in more people. Right, right. All right, so next big question. We're going to talk about your transition from uh, from college ball, playing at SC, right? Yes. Uh, to the NFL. When did it dawn on you that you were now in the NFL? It was a different game. Oh, I must tell you, um, you're going to be so disappointed in this answer, but... <laughs> But uh, when I played at, uh, in college football at USC, you played the entire game. They didn't have, there, was, you, you, there wasn't offensive unit, defensive unit. Right. You played offense and defense and special teams. And at, at, and at SC, uh, they were just like every other major college. They kept the, the players on the practice field two and a half, three hours. Everything was full contact drills. Right. And then after the drills, you'd run sprints back and forth, back and forth. You'd really leave totally exhausted. And then you'd go to meetings, and, and, and it, would, it would take up so much of your time. When I got to the pros, I thought, man, this is going to be the same thing. I'm just going to play a couple of years. The, the joy of the game has been sucked out. I'm just going to play two years. I want to buy a car and a house. But in the pros, you just play one way. Yeah. Just offensive. So I was just an, I was an offensive tackle. I had so much energy. It was so much easier. It really, it was <laughs> right. just refreshing. I can only imagine. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, so my my years, I was right on the cusp of all that change. Uh, matter of fact, I remember when the when the the time allotment for how long we were allowed to practice during a twenty four hour period was reduced to two hours, and I thought that was heavenly you know until the <laughs> until the coaches start doing speed drills right. for the entire <laughs> two hours it's it was george perlis especially at michigan state so george perlis who you know coached with the steelers steel curtain those days uh as a d coordinator his big statement to us was always you're gonna run until i get tired oh, well man. meanwhile <laughs> he was in a golf cart yeah. <laughs> right as we're yeah. running hundreds back and forth <laughs> so We'd be running well into the night sometimes. So looking back on your younger self, I want you to imagine uh, the rookie, Ron Mix. What piece of advice would you give yourself today? You mean if I were a rookie yeah, again? Yeah, rookie again. What would you tell yourself? You know what? I'd be consistent with uh, what I felt back then, what I still feel now, and that is you really have to be willing to try to give full value for whatever you're receiving. So if you're an employee and you're being paid, you should just do your absolute best to give the best performance possible. And in, and in athletics, because your, your, your tools are your body, that means, that means regulating your life both during the season and off the season uh, to deliver your finest performance. And yeah. working, out, working out year round is something that I did. And uh, and I think uh, that's extremely important. And I think then sure. I I'd, I'd take the advice and 
put it down and say, even for high school kids, high school kids are given the honor to represent their school, and they should honor that by giving their full effort and by doing what's necessary to stay eligible. And, uh, and, and, and one thing that they'll find out, I think, for, for high school students is not to be discouraged if you're not doing well right away. Yeah. Uh, some pe- a lot of people just develop later. You yeah. develop much later. Sure. I de- develop much later. I mean, as a high school player, I didn't become a starter until my senior year. And then only because I was an end then, only because the end in, that was ahead of me got injured. And uh, we had a six, there was only six teams in our league. At the end of the season, they choose an all-star team. Mm. And I made like honorable mention. What? cheerleaders made the honorable mention you know i mean (laughs) it it was no honor it was like a participation certificate (laughs) here you're on here's a participation certificate we're gonna call it honorable mention and uh uh, but i i love the game and my dream was to play at ucla so i had a plan i decided i'm going to start working out right after the season ended i'm going to start working out I'm going to go to El Camino Junior College for two years and transfer to UCLA and make, a, make both football teams. And what happened during that six-month period after the season began and that next summer after my senior year, uh, my development uh, suddenly happened. And suddenly I was faster, stronger. Everything about it, the hard work really paid off. And that off-season... For the first time, they had an all-star game between our league and another league. And all the really good ends at my position were juniors. So the coach of the all-star team of our league was stuck with me. But but this is going to sound very (laughs) immodest, but by that time, I had developed to the point that I was really the best player in that that all-star game. And the only scout that happened to be there was from the University of Southern California. And I got a scholarship. I got a scholarship to USC. My, uh, I, honestly, I still can't believe it. I was just so blessed. What, what a huge uh, vote of confidence that'll be for any young man that listens to this, knowing that you didn't start until your senior year, and it was because somebody got hurt. Always being ready for that opportunity, I guess, right? Being prepared for the opportunity when it comes across. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and the just to add something else to it, to go back to another theme of giving of yourself what uh, in you try to give of yourself what is necessary to repay any generosity or given to you. I told myself when I got that scholarship. I've got to prove USC right, and I've got to uh, uh, I've got to work as hard as I can. And I just I told myself then, you're going to work out year round, lift weights year round. You're not going to have any alcohol. You're not going to have any sweets. Everything is going to be designed to make you the best player possible, because you owe it to USC. And it worked wow. out. It wow. worked out. Yeah. And I followed that regimen, by the way. And you and I know I could have had a beer, I could have had candy, yeah. whatever, but every time I decided not to, it reminded me it was my goal. I owed USC yeah. something. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, that's... Uh, by the way, that worked out pretty good for my high school teammates. Now, this is the truth. There's just, a, there's just 11, you play both ways. And really, on that starting 11, I really was not, I was really the worst player among the starting 11. And so, my being successful in uh, making All American at SC and being All Pro nine times and then the Hall of Fame, 
has worked out good for my high school teammates because now they go around saying, oh, yeah, I could have played pro, pro <laughs> right. ball. That goddamn mix made it. Right. <laughs> it was way better than him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just the breaks, just the numbers I could have played. That's right. We all get that one. So after all these years, your legendary career, making such a huge impact on the game itself, all these years later, now with the PFRPA and a board member still making an impact on the game, what does it mean to you to be a part of the PFRPA? Well, it's, it's very important. Um, uh, my, uh, I had gone to law school at night when I was playing professional football, and, and, uh, and then uh, the last maybe 15 years of my practice, I no longer practice law. It's, my son now has the firm. But the uh, last 15 years, uh, we specialized in workers' compensation for retired professional athletes and mm. probably had one of the largest practices in the United States in that area. And so uh, got to see firsthand what has happened to so many professional athletes, and not just football players, hockey players, soccer players, baseball players. It's every athlete, because of the repetitive trauma to their body, leaves the game a semi mess, yep. and um, and and something we weren't really aware of at the time was the head injuries, the repetitive trauma to the head injuries, uh, causing dementia, uh, uh, memory loss, uh, inability to focus, and um, I was just uh, with our professional football retired players association. Our goal is to help these players. And I want to help them because the vast majority of athletes that I've met are really good guys, really good citizens, they're good family men. They contribute to the community, and uh, they deserve to be helped. All right, All right. It's a, it's a, it's a unbelievably necessary and needed thing to have this. Uh, this real community for retired players, as we know all too well. So this was uh, this was awesome. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with me a little bit and have some fun answering these questions and giving folks a chance to learn more about the legend himself. So thanks, Ron. Thanks for no, hanging out with us. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. All appreciate right. the good work you do too. All right. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. 